everyone, and welcome to episode 466 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Zafrod Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. I'm doing well. How are you doing? <clears throat> I'm doing super well. We got some... <laughs> We got some spicy topics this week. My God, there's a lot. For having nothing going on in the magic world, and it's like the holiday hangover, no new sets or anything, there is a lot of stuff going on this week. But before we get into all that, we got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. Oh, it's the purple suit. I remember. I was with you in that suit in an event when some little girl it's, walked it's up Barney. to you and said, look, Mom, it's Barney. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Good morning, I, I totally forgot about that. Good morning. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not Barney, by the way. This is a Gengar onesie, a Kigurumi specifically. <laughs> uh, anyway, today, uh, it's it's really the drama cast. We're jumping around from, uh, we have five different big topics, I think so. Uh, Modern Horizon style sets in non-modern formats, tournament attendance, some AI art controversy, some fake card DQs, a Mark Rosewater post about complaining, actually being helpful, and then answering some fish mail. So we're going to be bouncing around to all those topics today. Before we jump into it, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit, and Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you ever get tired of the hassles of buy listing, you can skip them all with Card Conduit. You can use their curated service to send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a bit of work, you can use the sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just 2%. Either way, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed. And you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Cardconduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. We also have new merch over on the merch page, mtggoldfishmerch.com that came out a few weeks ago, so check that out if you're interested. So, Anyway, with sponsorship stuff out of the way, let's talk some magic. So first off, let's start with, this might be the the least dramatic, I think, of our topics today. So there was a Mark Rosewater post uh, where someone was asking about the possibility of Horizon sets. So the only ones we've seen so far is two modern Horizon sets. The third one's on the way, coming to other formats. So the question is from Rotting Hellkite. If or when Horizon sets for a format that isn't modern, such as Pioneer, Marked Rosewater's response was, if, but a very real possibility. He later had to clarify in another post that there's no Pioneer Horizons in the works right now, but he did think that was maybe the most likely format for a Horizon set to go to outside of modern. My question for all of you is... Do we even want this? Like, is Pioneer Horizons or Horizon sets in non-Pioneer, non-modern formats, is that something that's good for magic? Is it the way of the future is inevitable? Richard, what do you what do you think about this whole thing? We learned our lesson, Seth. We were like, <laughs> ah, direct to modern. Why not? Like that that seems like a great idea. And then and then the monkey came, and then the evoke <laughs> elementals came. Uh, I don't think we want the messing with Pioneer in that fashion uh, well, i think i think the filter of like go through standard and if it's powerful enough for pioneer it's good enough and then the power level of standard keeps that in check right you can't just shove like monkeys and uh evoke elementals into standard and keep it sane uh, maybe they will yeah. i don't know but uh <laughs> you know it just naturally gates the power level of pioneer so your whole format just doesn't rotate overnight so i don't want that to happen but it's guaranteed to happen. 
Like, you know, Wizards has this list of like 5,000 products they need to make next year, right? <laughs> and there's like so many uh, Commander Remastered and whatever, <laughs> Modern Horizons 4 and 8 or whatever they can do. They got to be like, well, there's Pioneer and I don't know, Popper and whatever, right? Like they're, they're going to do it eventually. So brace yourselves. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you'll print double feature, you'll definitely print Pioneer Horizons. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Krim, what do you think about this? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really want it, to be honest with you. I don't think I want anything that would be... I, I think Modern Horizons is was fun. I, I think that if we... I don't know, like, as much as I dislike some of the things that came out of Modern Horizons, I, like, like we would also lose out on some cool things as well. So we would lose out on, like, the Archmage's charms, and we would lose out on, like, you know, they're... they're okay. It goes right to the <laughs> counter spell. What else was there outside I mean, of there, those? There are, no, but there like, are there good were, cards. There like were. Soul Herders, Sweet, Sevian, yeah. and Merfolk. Like, a lot of the stuff that propped up lower tier decks, I really like, and I still like. So you, you, I do agree with you. Yeah, Kaya's Guy. <laughs> Another like, Esper Control card. Kaya's a very big <laughs> yeah. of for control cards to come from Modern Horizons too. But I, what about Pioneer I, though, Crim? Like, so Modern Horizons, <laughs> obviously, I agree with you. I'm I'm still glad they did it. I think it kind of ruined Modern to some extent, but the, a lot of good things came from it as well. So I don't want them to stop doing Modern Horizons, the cat's out of the bag, but what about bringing it to other formats? Like, do we want to see, do you want to see Pioneer Horizons? I, I think with where modern is as a format because it's lost uh is uh, like it's fine you can let modern horizons run wild right on modern because everything runs wild in modern it's just like a totally like untamed format but for some form of like some semblance of like normalcy and like I guess balance I think pioneer is definitely something I don't think you can allow a, a, a horizon set to hit. Because I think that, uh, like, maybe, like, that's that's just going to be too much for Pioneer. Pioneer is too weak. There's not enough answers to, like, go around in Pioneer to answer whatever wild things you let loose through a Horizon set. I think I think Richard is, is definitely right. I think it should just go through Standard. So how about we work on Standard Horizons right now? I think Standard Horizons is what I want. Before you worry about a Pioneer Horizons or, or a Commander Horizons or whatever. Just let it be. Let it go through Standard. Let it trickle down. And, you know, and, like, Standard's good right now. So, Standard's amazing. So, I want Standard to to be, like Richard had mentioned, the, like, Standard can, can balance it out. And then when it once it goes through there, it can maybe trickle down in other formats. Didn't we used to have standard horizons and they were called corsets, basically? Weren't corsets kind of like a yearly standard horizons in some ways? I almost I wish we would so. bring those back. I, I would like something similar to that. I think here's my issue with Pioneer Horizons, and I'm like a hard no, very hard no on it. I think we really need a format that is untainted by supplemental products. Like, we do want a format to exist, right, where... 
you can play your rotated standard cards. And that's not modern anymore. In a world of Modern Horizons, the, modern is not that format. Your, the idea that you can just take your old standard cards and like have any amount of success, absolutely silly in 2024. Like that's just not gonna happen. Pioneer is that format though. Like, and that's a big part of what differentiates Pioneer from modern. Modern at this point is the place where you get all these supplemental cards, you get universes beyond. I think that, uh, that not having all those cards, not having the supplemental products, is really what makes Pioneer Pioneer. Like, I think the day they print Pioneer Horizons is the day that, like, Pioneer as we know it essentially dies. Like, that's the end of the format. I also agree with Richard that they will definitely do it. <laughs> I, I have no illusions that it's not going to happen. Isn't it the normal cycle? Like, so a few years from now, they print Pioneer Horizons, Pioneer becomes modern, and then a few years after that, they announce whatever the new Pioneer is. Like, some new format that starts at 2018 or whatever and goes with that card pool... And it repeats itself. Like, that's how Wizards builds their equity and how they reprint things and how they give things value. So I think that is 100% what will happen. But I do think hopefully that's several years in the future. And I hope it doesn't happen, but I'm very convinced it will. Okay, any, any other thoughts about <laughs> Pioneer Horizons? What about other formats? Is there any Legacy Horizons, Commander Horizons? I guess that's Commander Legends technically that's is pretty much Commander Horizons. Are there any other, is any format that you would like to see a Horizon set for? What Alchemy about Popper? Horizons. Popper? Oh, Alchemy Horizons. So, so Popper <laughs> is hilarious because how's Wizards going to sell the product? They're like, okay, <laughs> it's true. straight to Popper, but we're going to make Mythic Common here so we can charge you $50. <laughs> <Mythic Common. laughs> it's a common, guys. Don't worry, but it just comes like you only get like one in every nine packs or whatever it is. Uh, I, so they, they don't do Popper products because it, it, it doesn't. Sell. You can't sell it's it, directly yeah. all commons, and they're, they're gonna have to figure out some brilliant way of marketing that to to charge you the money for it. But that's realistically all we got, right? Like maybe a cube product, but no one plays cube. I mean, although cube is a huge like cube that plays cube, okay, but it's yeah. not to the same level as like these other formats. Uh, same with like vintage legacy. Of course, people play those formats, but not to the same extent as the bigger formats. So Wizards got to hope. The community makes up a new format in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, in the next couple of years, the community will bail it out. <laughs> I think the other thing with Cube is it's just like decidedly casual. I think even more so than Commander, proxying is just so accepted because it's not sanctioned at all. This is like your personal thing. So it seems like another tricky format to monetize. Crit mentioned Standard earlier, and this wasn't on our docket for the day. But one thing I've noticed that's interesting is I think Wizards goal of revitalizing paper standard might be starting to work we have like standard pro tours coming up and we have a bunch of qualifiers for those pro tours and if you look at the just the prices of standard cards and i know this isn't a good thing no one wants to hear oh hooray cards are more expensive but we see a lot of like standard cards that don't really see a ton of play outside of standard actually creeping up in price like murex is way up all the standard lands are increasing gix went up this week and i've seen a lot sunfall went up this week these are all like the top tier cards that are seeing play in a bunch of different decks and i really think this is people building decks for qualifiers like this is people are going out and like building decks so they can go to these qualifiers so is it working like this we're almost a year into this revitalizing standard thing what you're on the ground more than i am crim as far as lgs's and stuff am i off base or is standard actually in paper starting to like make a comeback because of all these qualifiers and pro tours uh, you know, when I, so I have a, a buddy who runs a shop and, uh, like, yeah, they, there's been an uptick, a demand for paper standard. 
Uh, so he's kind of started to run those events at his store now. Um, and like they, they, there's been demand for it. Uh, I think people are now finally also ca- like, I think people are playing it again. Right. I think that's the main thing. And it's starting to build a, like kind of like a, a buzz because people are actually realizing, Oh wait, this, this format that everybody poo-poos on is actually good again. So lots of people are trying it again. Uh, and, and that's, that's good. And I think part of it, and this kind of segues us into our next big topic, but I think part of it is also like incentives. There is like, we're like trending back to this world where like you as a normal magic player can go like win a qualifier and go to a pro tour, which is something that was really missing during like the MPL era during the pandemic era when paper play, like mostly shut down altogether. So I think that that's also part of it. And this leads us to Richard. There was a, a interesting tweet thread from Cedric Phillips talking about kind of the state of magic coverage, tournament magic. Why don't you uh, give us a TLDR of that? It was pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, the the source of it is kind of related to all of this. Uh, SCG Cincinnati, uh, a 20K, meaning $20,000 in prize pool, had only 231 players at X cutoff date. I, I don't know if that's the, the total, uh, but that was a tweet basically saying, like, what happened to Paper Magic? Look at this super high positive EV looking tournament and, like, no one is showing up. Like, no one is barely registering. And then Cedric Phillips... Uh, who, if I get this correctly, so he used to, you know, he used to do coverage, right? But he used to be, you know, um, sure did. part of like this tournament scene and like actually like dictated some of these things, like had this whole tweet thread about why this would be the case. And the TLDR is it's marketing uh, kind of, they used to market very aggressively to tournament players to get the word out. And his, his rationale is you just needed to let magic players know and like any reason for them to show up, they will. And it's basically coming down to marketing. And and the whole tweet thread, I think you should read it. There's a lot of aspects about like why magic players do this. They, you know, they want to kind of live in infamy. If you top eight once, it's on the internet forever. Uh, I know this personally because people email me to correct their goldfish standings yep. from various tournaments all the time. Uh, but like is tournament magic dead <laughs> it's kind of the question right like it, you know for whatever reason like either people don't want to play magic or cedric is hinting at there's not enough marketing going on or the events don't make enough money for the organizers or i don't know what it is right but like tournament magic cratered because of covid right but we're we're in a post-pandemic world now and it hasn't really recovered in the same ways uh so what do you guys think about tournament magic and, and you know what what this whole discussion is about i do think that there's definitely a lack of marketing right i mean that was something that we did see a lot of right we back way way back you always knew when there was a tournament because it was talked about everywhere it was always posted like you know uh like during set releases hey they'd mention it a lot too right like we're gonna see stuff at pro tour phyrexia and, and and it would be on the mothership and all that stuff. So I don't know. I just felt like definitely a part of it is that they pulled away from competitive magic and they spent all the marketing elsewhere and into like more like to focus on more of where magic has shifted. In, I think in casual, because I do think that like competitive magic just does not have any marketing. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the marketing's definitely a part of it, uh, a big part of it. I also think that like part of it's SCG, right? Like this is a SCG event and like SCGs really minimize like their events. They don't do coverage anymore. They kind of moved out of the competitive scene content wise. So I'm curious, do you think this is a localized issue to uh to Star City Games, or is this something that applies to like Magic in general? Like, is this Magic tournaments doing poorly, or SCG tournaments doing poorly? I think this is a bit of both, actually. I think that, like, yes, SCG as competitive goes, yeah, like, like it's a little bit of them, but also let's not lie. I mean, like, Magic themselves haven't really focused on marketing any competitive stuff, right? Like, what? Why do you care to go competitive in the current year? Like, like we talked a little bit about incentives. I just don't think there's a reason to care to be competitive. Like, even if I went in there, I won 20, uh, like the 20 K you gave me a trophy. What does this do? I mean, that's for a trophy now. (laughs) But I mean, like, like the coverage matters though. Right? Like that's one thing Cedric uh, mentioned. I think I really agree with is like, people want the deck tech. People want the feature batch. They that's their, that's why you go like the, Cedric's big argument was it's not actually about the money. Right? Like that was, yeah. that was kind of the TLDR it's is it's not like, Oh, the prize pool needs to be bigger. It's like, it needs more support. And people go to these events because this is how they like can get their 15 minutes of fame. You go in your top eight, you get the deck tech. And that's definitely happened. I remember the best ex- the best example of this might be Chris, oh no, but Batello, I might be butchering his last name. He was in the MPL and he's like a very great player now, but the way the world was introduced to him is he went to an event back, wow, this was like six or seven years ago now, with the Harmless Offering Demonic Pack deck. He went to a GP, Harmless Offering Demonic Pact. He ran the table, made the top eight, and it was like this huge topic of conversation because he was in feature matches, he got a deck tech, and that's really how he made his name in the community. That's like completely missing now, right? Like that's just, it doesn't exist. Why I, Why would you play SCG at this point? Or like there's no GPs, there's uh, SCG doesn't have any coverage, so you're not going to get any, you know, uh, anything out of it other than maybe some prize money. So I think that's really what's missing. So of How do we course get- marketing works. But if it's not profitable, it doesn't work really, right? So obviously, if you throw money at something, you can get people to look at it. Uh, and what what marketing was in the old world, right, was uh, tournament coverage, right? That's all just marketing, right? Like marketing for playing tournament magic, but marketing for the game itself as well, right? Like this is why Wizards does the Pro Tour, right? So, to, you know, that so that you go and buy magic cards. Uh, but then like the articles... Uh, it's. I would say it's not just SCG because Channel Fireball has gone, right? Like if if you remember the heyday of Tournament Magic, right? Like those were the sites. Like those were, um, the people. You know, you went there to watch the pros play. And those are the people you looked up to. We don't do that anymore, right? The biggest Magic celebrities are not actually pro players, or uh, usually, right? Maybe they're ex-pro yeah. players or they're doing adjacent things, but it's not the same way that like the reason I watch you is like how many top eights you have, right? Like we don't really do that anymore. And this is funny, Krim, because I, I found this from the One Piece forums, but I think it's because- He's on the forum. <laughs> I, I think it's because we're all boomers. So five years ago, I, I would go to an event. Like maybe 10 years ago, I would like straight up, hey guys, this thing is four hours away. I think we can spike this PTQ, <laughs> let's go, right? And let's, let's waste our whole weekend testing 
and go play. Now I'm like, I don't have time for this. And and the, the thread I was alluding to for One Piece, and it was, it was something like, why is everyone I play like an old person? Like, where are the kids? Remember <laughs> when we were kids? Like, we'd all be playing games. And the conclusion was like, that's how the world works. Kids do not play collectible card games. The only reason we're playing One Piece or whatever, because we have this nostalgia from Pokemon or Magic or something from our childhoods, and, and we're playing this, kids are playing Fortnite or something, right? Or they're doing TikTok things, or I don't know what they actually yeah. do, right? But they're doing something else. So part of this is like our inability to get new blood who has lots of time on their hands to go grind these tournaments. Because like Krim said, you win the tur- you win the tournament and then what? Like, I don't know. Like, you don't care anymore, right? But <laughs> I imagine 20-year-old Krim would not say the same thing, right? 20-year-old right, yep. Krim would be like, I would live an internet infamy. Ha ha, like, let's go, right? <laughs> like, so we're just old. We don't care as much. And, you know, Wizards I mean, has to replace us with younger people that care to go grind for negative EV and, and get a promo card or something, right? Like, it's, it's, it's a generational enough- thing, I think, right? It is, but on top of that, though, having what what changes, what makes it so that, uh, like you mentioned, One Piece, right? Uh, I went to the last regionals, and it was like, it was silly. There were so many people. It was like just just my event alone. I think was like over sixteen hundred people. So why is that? Like, and and so I'll say that when you go attend a One Piece regionals event, you get silly amount of EV. Like, they give you these, like, rare lands, essentially, the the resource system in the game. They give you these rare ones, a pack, where you could open... It's either a $30 version to a randomly a $100 version, just for, for showing up, right? And then, and then as I, I showed Richard, there's a card, you know, like, there's a card where if you get, like, top, like, like 16, and that card's, like, $2,500. Then you have a top 8 card, and that card's, like... You know, or if, and if you win it all, it's, like, a $5,000 card. Uh, I mean, that is like, doesn't so magic like, magic also kind of do that? I mean, I don't know if they do the door prize thing where everyone like gets a pack that has something in it, but isn't that like the the secret layer Ragavan or Jace that we saw like a little while ago, where if you top eight you get this, if you top you get first place you get the five thousand dollar Ragavan? It seems kind of similar, right? It's it's definitely similar, right? So like, so what is it then? Like, I will say that it feels like when you go to the average one piece event, it's just higher EV even if I scrub out. Like if I go O and like like four, I'm not mad about it, right? Like it's it's fine. So why is it that there like is it because the competitive scene in that game is 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 like more like booming right now? What's going on there? Why is it that there's sixteen hundred some people there and only two hundred for an SCG event? Are, is there coverage and stuff of One Piece? Is it a Twitch yeah. thing or no? <laughs> so uh, I guess I guess like there there's like there is coverage, you know. Okay. Uh, but it's pretty pretty loose. Everything in that in that in that scene right now is like kind of loose. But so, can you like get a feature match or whatever? Like if you do well, you is that part of the? Yeah. Because that's like completely missing from Magic at this point, right? Like no one, I guess yeah. Nerd Rage Games kind of has a small tournament series, but other than that, that's just like doesn't exist so i wonder if that plays into it at all like it's, are there the a lot buying of clout thing because remember like when you win the sg event you get featured but then you get to write an article on the website yeah. and i know and... a lot of people really like that right they're like let me yep. teach you everything i know about magic 
because I won this event and they're very <laughs> excited about it. Uh, that's all kind of gone by the wayside. And I, I think, I don't know, it's like that that motivation that is worth way more than any amount of money that I can give you kind of, you know, like if someone wants to live in in internet infamy, they'll do it for like negative money. And and magic players have done this forever, right? Like hotel flight cards, (laughs) whatever the tournament paying you is not enough for any of this, right? All your testing time, but we, we did it because we wanted something. And I don't know that that's gone. Either that drive is gone or that, that carrot is gone or whatever. They're like, I can just, get the same thing by streaming on Twitch. Like, what's the point, <laughs> right? I, I don't know, right? Yeah. So, I think the age thing you brought up is interesting because there were some official numbers that I think it was the Hasbro CEO mentioned in an earnings call recently that the average age of a Magic player is like 30. So that kind of plays into what you were saying. Like, it's a lot different when you're 18, 19, 20 in college or whatever. Like, you got a lot more time to do that stuff. When you're 30, you probably have a job. You could have a partner. You could have a family. Like, life gets different the older that you get. So you just don't have the time to, like, I'm going to take an eight-hour road trip to play this tournament for negative EV. So I wonder if the age of Magic players does play into it. Like, it, that's got to be higher than to, right? other games, right? Like, what's One Piece like, Crib? Is the average age 30 when you go to One Piece regionals, or do you have more younger players there, too? It's a bit spread out there, but, like, it's still... It's not like you're seeing, like, 11-year-old Timmy rolling it's in. It's still right? older, it, it's, for the most part. It's 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 20-plus, right? <laughs> 11-year-old yeah. Timmy with his $400 deck rolling in. <laughs> yeah. Like, part of it is the money, right? Like, the only people that can afford to play Magic is old people with jobs, <laughs> Like, can you imagine in college, like, just shelling out, like, $500 for a deck and then having it rotate because Modern Horizons 2 came out, so you shell out another $500? Like, that's rough, man. You so part of it job. is the, the money aspect, right? You need a job. You need a well-paying job. You need a job that lets you take time off to travel to go do tournaments and whatnot, right? So it all kind of just skews older. Like, just look at our YouTube metrics, right? Like, yeah, we know that... It's just old people that watch our stuff. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I love everyone, but we skew older, right? We don't we don't skew younger. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of part of the hobby. I I don't know. It, it, Wizards really needs to fix it, right? Because five more years and we'll all actually be just dead. Uh, yeah, that's we're getting kind of old, right? Like we were on the fringe of tournament playable. <laughs> now we're like, ah, I'll just sling some commander cards. But in five more years, like I don't know about this, right? So we we gotta yeah, you'll... get younger people in. It's like it's like Tarmogoyf. It's the same trajectory. <laughs> you, know, you start off two hundred dollars, young and healthy, and next thing you know, you're a ten dollar mythic. No one wants to open. <laughs> But you'll uh, always be mythic in my eyes, Seth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder, how do we do that? How do we get more... Is it, like, can we get more younger people into the game? Like, is that even possible? Or is there something inherently, What's... like, magic so complex, it's slow, it's expensive? Yeah. Like, how do we get younger it's... people in, or can we not? It's exactly like you just mentioned. It's slow, right? It's like, I feel like nowadays, trading card games collectibles are, are, are awesome right people love collecting that's that's a different thing but pl- actually playing the thing that requires time dedication getting good at it understanding it and all of that and especially when there's things like have you heard of like tft mm-hmm. yeah, yeah okay. it's like so an auto battler tactics. right yeah yeah it's like an auto battler sure uh, and everybody hears auto battler immediately they're off but with reality it's a draft you're hey, drafting. i I like auto battlers, so it's not it's not an I don't have any negative connotation for auto battlers. I actually like them. So 
No, no, no. I, and like, but I mean, like, just like people in general, though, like, it's like, okay, well, oh, auto right. battler sounds like another genre of something else that I have to learn. But in reality, <laughs> yeah, exactly, Bear. Bear yeah, agrees. Bear, you, bear. Uh, hey, bud, it's bud, just bud. drafting. And what's the best part of drafting? The drafting. Not at, like playing your draft deck, like seeing it come together is cool. But really, it's all about how your draft goes. And as, you know, video games and stuff like that, like like TFT come out, it's like, why would I want to play a trading card game? Yeah. Because, or, right? Or like Fortnite. Like, kids yeah. want to play a game of Fortnite. Like, there's so many other options and maybe trading card games. I don't Do you think you'll be able to get your kid into into magic richard or is it just impossible these days like you're, you're gonna live this firsthand in a couple of years here like is it gonna be a tough sell you think i think so because okay here's why it's a tough sell right because his friends need to play it too so i gotta yeah. not only brainwash my son i gotta brainwash all his <laughs> friends because <laughs> it's not like oh that cool thing you do with that he's like eh, dad i don't want to do this i'm gonna go get good at fortnite or something right like whatever yeah, the new yeah. fortnite is by that time so I, I don't know. I, I I go back to the Saturday morning cartoon. You got to brainwash them when they're young. You got to you got to hit them at the yep. <laughs> at the young age when they're five years old. Implant that IP into them. <laughs> this is why I think the universes within things should be very strong, right? Like trading card games, relic of the past. Like playing with physical cards, but you can take your magic IP, throw it into TFT. You know, whatever the new TFT is in five years, ten years, and have a great game. And then your your company lives on and your IP lives on when when this thing of like mana and tapping and for some reason holding digital cards or physical cards <laughs> goes away. Uh, so I think that's the easy way out. But like, just imagine to a kid. So you sit down and play a game, and there's like a ten percent chance you do absolutely nothing because your deck doesn't line up. <laughs> You're like, well, that seems like yeah. a dumb game. I'm out of here, right? Like. <laughs> Like, that's kind of magic, right? And we're used to it because we grew up with it, but it's kind of dumb for, some, a, for a game. some conditioning <laughs> that you have to do to yourself. It's like, yeah, you know what's going to be fun? I'm going to go four hours, eight hours, <laughs> fly 24 hours away yeah. to get yeah. land screwed. You, you want to <laughs> play right. a game? First, throw away your PS5. You got to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> right? We need that money to buy a deck, okay? You don't even know what this game is about? Don't worry. It's worth it. Just take that $500 and buy this deck. But you got to read spoilers first to make sure nothing gets reprinted or your deck isn't power crept immediately. But don't worry. We're going to start playing soon. Like, it's, it's, it's very convoluted. Yeah, it's 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 a lifestyle, really. Like, it's it takes a lot. Yeah, I don't know. But what happens in 10 more years from the other perspective? Like, is the average age of Magic player going to be 40 and then in 20 years, 50? Like, or do people start <laughs> to drop off eventually? Like, wow, that's we, the, we that's the scary this, part, actually, right? Okay. We have our YouTube metrics. We could check our, our average age every year for the last 10 years to see if it's just increasing by one every year as we as we drag our audience through through time. But I think so far, roughly, it's been that. Like, how many people have started playing since, like, I don't know, Baldur's Gate or something, right? Like, is it's... Actually, okay. I think the thing here is, like, there have been new players, but it's still the same age group. Yeah, they, right. They're, they're people that come back. So War of the Spark brought back a lot of people that started in like yep. fourth edition, like the initial boom of magic. It brought them back, but it didn't. I don't know if it did or not, but like it, it was not like all new blood and all these Fortnite kids overran my game, right? It was like, oh, yes, boomer friend, you're here again. <laughs> we, we played, we played it, we played in a primary school. Yes, right. 
we, so, we saw that but, Lord but of the Rings too. Uh, yeah, maybe that's yeah. what happens is we don't get young people. We just keep recycling the same <laughs> the same boomers. <laughs> I mean, we that and I think that's the thing, though, right? That's why this universe is beyond thing, I think, is like one of the more important things too, to to happen yeah. to magic. It's because, yes, we aren't going to bring in younger like demographics, but we will bring in like the Lord of the Rings crowd. The Warhammer crowd, right? The Doctor Who crowd, like those kind of things, right? So, like, as long as I guess that happens, the game is just fine, right? Because it'll, it, as long as it gets new blood, it doesn't have to exactly be the younger demographic. Plus, then that means that it could be like a, a game for whales, right? Like, let's let's not lie here, Magic the Gathering game for whales. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? Oh, uh, just one more thing. So all the new card games that come up that I, I've been playing. So Marvel Snap, One Piece. No, like very rarely do you come across like the new card game player. Like, like everyone is like, oh, I came from Yu-Gi-Oh! I came from Pokemon. I came from Magic. I'm here. One Piece. Let's go. Right. When I play other games like Baldur's Gate, people are like, I've never played D&D before <laughs> or an RPG. What am I doing, guys? Or or like Hawkeye Snarville. There's so many people like, I've never played a gacha game in my life. What the heck's going on? But with card games, it's always like, I'm like almost ex-pro, guys. I'm like a 10-year veteran. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've played this game, that game, this game. It's like card game players recycle themselves <laughs> on like new card games. I, I noticed Maybe that trend a little bit, too. <clears throat> Maybe that's like a necessity, though, just because they're so hard to pick up. Like if you don't know card games, period, learning any of those is pretty tricky, right? If you have no foundation in card games. But once you have a foundation in card games, like we knew magic. Krim like showed us one piece. Uh, we're not masters or anything, but it was relatively easy to pick up if you know another card game. And I think like Hearthstone was kind of like that. If you know magic, you can pick up Hearthstone like super easily. So I think maybe maybe it's the complexity of card games in general, not just magic that like puts up that barrier. I think, yeah, right. Because like the investment into card games and then like how it plays out, like I spend 24 hours and like I get land screwed. <laughs> like right, I practice, do all of this and I get land screwed. <laughs> We should also say this, uh, so it doesn't sound too negative. This is mostly about tournament magic. If you go to like a magic con, there's like 20,000 people having a great time. So people will show up for magic events. They're just not showing up to, you know, grind SCG 20Ks or whatever at this point like they used to. But speaking of competitive magic, uh, we had some drama this weekend. So there was, I believe this was the SCG 20K, although don't quote me on that because I could be wrong. But a player got DQ'd in the top eight, in the top eight for having fake cards. Apparently, this player had a playset of Ragavans uh, that ended up being fake. There was a, a deck check in the top eight, and the judge realized it was fake. They DQ'd them. The player said that they didn't even know they were fake, and they bought them from a vendor uh, in who the vendor was and whatnot. So this led to a big conversation because apparently fakes are getting better. This is one of the big things to come out of this conversation is fakes are improving. Not only that, but the magic print quality has become less consistent, which ends up to in a situation where it's harder and harder to tell fakes from real cards and there's more fakes around. 
how do you handle this? Like, what do you do about fake cards in tournament play? There was an interesting post from a vendor who uh, had some ideas like here's like the things that you can uh, can do to avoid getting DQ because of uh, fake cards. It was Michael Caffrey posted this and there they had three things like buy from reputable sources, keep tracks of where you got things from. The last one was get a scale that goes to 0.01 grams and weigh your cards because cards from the same set and with the same finish should be from 1.66 to 1.75 grams. Like, is that a realistic standard to play magic do you need to like weigh each one of your ragavans to make sure that they're real so you don't get dq'd what do you guys make of this whole situation we just had a laundry list of things of why it's hard to get into tracing trading card games <laughs> now we're gonna be like oh by the way you need to weigh your cards yeah. as well <laughs> like the, the 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 tips and all of that the advice sure it makes sense it works but the fact that those have to be set in place is the problem right and uh, so yeah i i think this is this is bad right this is really bad if vendors are getting duped uh then that means this is real bad cuz now you like you know like how do they how do you know if they know right so now not like you could they could believe it's real but i'm going to have to verify it myself like buying from places like tcg player or or whatever or like any 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 card place right i now don't trust anybody right i have to do everything myself so i don't know i i'm not i'm this that this is not a good direction to trend in yeah y'all yeah. going to hate to hear this but you know what you need nfts Oh, no. they, they need they, they need to chip the cards so that you can take a phone or whatever and scan it and you'll be like yes it's authentic and the only way to duplicate it is like to get a another ragavan or something slice out the chip put it in your fake ragavan uh, i was at legoland okay and you can buy this cup that gives you unlimited refills for the day and i, I went to the machine and it wouldn't give me any coke it said your your cup is invalid i'm like what what the the cup is chipped <laughs> right you yeah. go to the vendor they, they check it they're like oh the chip was malfunctioned let me reset it for you they actually have a chip in the cup to make sure that cup is only used on the day you bought it uh, if they could do that for a freaking cup at legoland we should be doing it for our like 500 dollar cards you know as we get these serialized cards the one of one ring they need to like splice a chip or something into there that cannot be digitally altered and that anyone can easily verify it's real. Like I don't need to like read this like manual on like yeah. you know oh you know if you rip it it's blue inside yeah. and uh, <laughs> if you hold it up to the light it doesn't curl at one point six six the one point like no one's gonna remember all of this and it varies from set to set and card to card. So if I could just put my phone in front of it and it says like you know guaranteed authentic by wizards done. Uh, like that's what they need to do. They need to have digital signatures or something for these things so that you can that, prove that beyond never... doubt. That unfortunately, you know that there's corners to cut, and that means that that's going to increase the amount of money sunken into the cards. Right? That's and, true. They're trying the... to cut out a common from a pack, but like, how can yeah. you? They they got to chip. You know, like the hollow foil. Like it costs more money to put the hollow foil on, right? But they need to make a hollow foil thing that's actually bulletproof uh because right now it's physical and relies on you looking at it and knowing something about it uh i guess we they, don't even have our money chips so i don't maybe it's very difficult the technology is not there even the u.s dollar is not chipped in any way right it's just fancy printing security so i don't know maybe this is way more difficult 
that uh, I give it credit for. I mean, they got to be able to do something, right? Like, it was Corset 2015, I believe, where they added the foil hologram. And since then, we haven't gotten any new security features. It's been almost a decade since we've had anything to, like, legitimize authentic cards. And during that same amount of time, we've seen a huge proliferation in counterfeit cards. And they've improved and gotten much better and kind of, like, exploded. So I feel like... Um, I don't know, like, the best path forward. Maybe chipping is not practical for some reason. But it seems like there should be something, right? Especially going into this world of selling serialized cards. Like, right now we're talking about $40 Ragavans in gameplay purposes. What happens when there's, like, questions about the legitimacy of your one-of-one one ring or something? Because you don't have any, like, security measures in it. Or that's worth $2 million. Like, isn't that a disaster waiting to happen? Like, <laughs> or what if someone counterfeits a one-of-one one ring? Like, it took what two months for that to come out couldn't someone have like it's super <laughs> easy right because employee at the place that that makes it can just print a second one like that's how yeah. like true counterfeits happen right you just go to the place that makes the thing and either like everyone knows they're making extra or some rogue employees making extras and you make it with stuff like original like alpha duels it's very hard for you to go find like cardstock that's like, you know, whatever, 30 years old or whatever to replicate exactly. But something fresh off the printer is extremely easy to counterfeit uh, unless yep. they do something like a digital signature or, you know, have security like the U.S. Mint does or something. You know what I mean? Like everyone's a government contractor. They're all been background checked. Like every employee touching this machine can be traced, you know, that kind of business, right? Which they're not going to do for a card game. So, yeah, it's kind of hard. What do you do in a tournament if uh, you think your opponent's playing fake cards? I'm I'm curious. Like sweat them out. Is it, this is totally. I, if, if you're willing, am to I am I winning? Someone? Am I winning or am, <laughs> am I losing? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the matchup? What's the matchup? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> bad matchup. Judge. Uh, yeah. There's definitely. We, we need a scummy video on this. Like, I'm, see, like for real, right? Like, if you are in a tight match and your opponent, if you know you're in the top eight already, you're, you're trying to make it to the finals, and your opponent has suspicious cards. It, it behooves you to deck check them or call a judge to, I don't want to point fingers, but I don't know, that looks a little suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take a look at that, right? Like, it's positive EV for you. At worst, nothing happens. At best, they get DQ'd. So it's positive EV to to kind of uh, get, 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 the, get the fake check on them for, for tournaments, right? I'm, it feels kind I mean, of scummy, though. I don't know. I'd feel bad. I don't know if I could actually – I don't know if I could do it. I guess maybe I'm not quite than sweaty somebody enough. like – is that any different than somebody angle shooting you though? Right? Like, yeah. Like if, I don't if know, someone you... draws an extra card or something by accident, you wouldn't you wouldn't call them out on it in the top eight. You'd be like, eh. yeah. Oh well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you break the rules, that's like you don't that's feel one bad thing. about that. You don't feel bad. You're like, oh, no, they made a mistake, but I got them. You know, it's like the <laughs> counting your cards and oh, you have fifty nine cards. You have fifty nine cards. Judge, right? oh, get that get that it... free win. Is it an angle shoot? I guess is a question. Like, if you think your opponent's card looks a little a little fuzzy, 100%. is it an angle shoot to call the judge it on is. that? Oh, right? yeah. it definitely is. I guess. Like, let me ask you just one one more thing. Do you think, okay, right now, right, like you go and look through your collection, you think your collection has a fake card in it, and you just don't know? Ooh, I'm positive one of my cavern of souls is fake. 
<laughs> I don't know where yeah, it came from, rip but it. I'm like, this one's a little sussy. Oh, do, I, do I have to rip it for the blue cord? Yeah, I gotta, you I gotta, gotta rip gotta it. Yeah, with the, blue, with the blue ink, just I, break I'm, out the scale. <laughs> I honestly, I'm willing to believe that uh, now. Now that you're hearing that, if you buy from vendors, right? Like, you don't even know if like it could be verifiable, right? Or like yeah. it's a verifiable source, right? Like, if that's the case. Why wouldn't there be like like I I bet you something in my collection probably is not yeah. real then, right? Like yeah, I mean I guarantee probably for you, me too, right? Because I mean one of the things back when I was judging, uh, I remember I, I I had judged a legacy event at like back when I worked at Channel, and like the uh, one of the things that we talked about was that there's like just just water cooler talk was like. One in probably like four, maybe four cards at a legacy tournament probably isn't real. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> just because, like, but like, no one cares, right? Like, I think that's like the the at least back then. And yeah, I'm willing true. to bet, I'm willing to bet that that number, it, it, we might have been memeing back then, but like, I think that number might become more and more true as the years go by. I'm willing to bet like one in four of the cards is some of my collection. Is definitely probably fake now that I like, and it has me worried. Do you think that so? Okay, so if we're gonna say you can buy cards from a vendor that are fake without knowing it and without the vendor knowing it, we might have cards in our collection that are fake without even knowing it. Is it fair to DQ the dude who had four Ragavans that he, assuming his story that he didn't even know and just got them from a vendor? Like, should he have been DQ'd? Like, how do we handle it from a rules enforcement standpoint? Like, how do you not DQ them? Because Watsy has to, like, you know, protect their IP or whatever, like that whole thing, like from that perspective. But at the same time, it doesn't really seem fair, does it? Like, if you just get duped and you didn't even know, is it really fair that you get DQ'd in the top eight? I mean, the, the thing is, like, you, okay, it, even, I bet you that the judges probably don't even want to DQ the person, yeah. right? They just have to. Because that's just by the rules, right? And and because you entered a sanctioned event, you had fake cards, right? And I, I mean, I don't want to get into the the like you know the specifics of like you know were they like you know do you believe them? You know yada yada yada. Like right. Let's just take it take it as it is, right? And it is there are four fake cards in your deck. Simple as that. I have to DQ you. I don't. I I I have to Dairy Queen you. I have to Dairy Queen you. <laughs> That's 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 how this is gonna work. I can't I can't do anything about it, right? Like so, that's just the rules. Like, so you have I to do it right it, here, to... right? Like if yeah. you don't do it here, how does Wizards ever enforce that people play the real cards? Like right now, they're only enforcing sanctioned events, and they're saying for casual play, you do whatever you guys want. Uh, and so if they don't enforce it here, where would they enforce it at all? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe it's, it's unavoidable. I guess, like, the higher the stakes, the more likely they are to enforce it, right? Like, maybe if you were turn one, or not turn one, like, uh, the first round, uh, no one cares. But they're, like, barely even deck checking you at that point. But as you get to the higher stakes, like, that's where they want to clamp down. And you can't do anything about it other than part of your tournament preparation is know how to spot fakes. <laughs> so <laughs> like, so we're sure back you around to oh, your deck, right? That's back around, the, right? Back around to buying a scale, then we started. We wrapped right back around to where we left off. <laughs> start checking everyone's shieldreds. Just look for yeah. whatever the most expensive card in the deck is, and then just start, just like uh, check that card. 
Uh, all right, we got we got one more topic. This is the last big piece of drama of the week. So uh, there was some drama about Watsi using some AI art in a uh, advertisement. So they they posted this Ravnik remastered advertisement it had like the shock lands in there. Apparently, the background people pointed out some inconsistencies that made them think it was uh, AI art or made by AI partially. Watsi said, "No, we don't do AI art. It's not AI." people like kind of didn't believe it and were like this is obviously made by AI they got community noted the Watts the Watts account got community noted by Twitter saying that they were lying about it essentially and then yesterday a couple days after Wattsy posted a thing basically saying we're wrong we're sorry uh, there was AI used in the process we didn't know it apparently it was made by uh, a subcontractor or something like they got this art somewhere and whoever made it actually used like AI generative fill or something to do it what do you make of this whole situation? Like this was this was the big topic of the weekend on Magic social media. First off, my wow. question is, and I haven't really heard an answer to this. Does it matter if like so? I understand Magic. Part of what makes Magic great, right, is the art and the great artists. For something like a Twitter ad, though, does it really matter? Like how it's made like i i was a little confused why people got so riled up about a twitter ad in the first place i could see if you opened a fetch land and it was like all obviously wonky and weird but for a twitter advertisement like is it something we even need to care about this whole this whole thing i i think like if it's just a twitter ad like you know sure that it doesn't really matter but i think the point here is the message behind is that you get you're you're okay with using ai here right and then how long until it just eventually works its way up uh, like then it's like, okay, well then why just actually not just have AI do all of magic's art, right? Obviously that's, that's a bit of like, you know, like it, like it, it went from zero to 60 real quick there. But like, I will say that I think that it, it, if you accept AI here at this level, then that means eventually it just starts getting incorporated into more things. And, uh, you know, like magic has a wonderful art, has wonderful, wonderful art. It's the whole reason I got into the game. Right. So you want to show love to the artist, not AI. So I, I, I think that they like I, I will I will say that it is a little wild to me that you just can't spot it like. You look right at it, and it it looks like it's AI, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I'm not going to say anything, but I will say that, like, yo, hold on. You couldn't tell? Like, like how out like how out of touch do you have to be to not know that that's AI, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of, in my defense, I'm the kind of person who, like, finds new light switches in my house, even though I've been here three, lived here three. There's like, oh, there's a window there? I never noticed that before. So I, I can be pretty oblivious with those small details. But what it's do you not think even about? small. It's not even small. Imagine if you went to reach for your light switch, and instead of a light switch, <laughs> it's just a TI-84 calculator on your wall. Right? <laughs> it's like, why is there a calculator where my light switch is shooting? It's just like very obviously not a light switch. Uh, I mean, what the, the problem is not people complain the image quality was too low, right? So right now there are some hallmarks to AI which you can like look at and you be like, "That's AI," because no human would draw it like that. But it's eventually, finger. and probably very soon, you will not be able to tell, uh, and people would still have issue with it, right? Because they they they're they're having an issue with like kind of the philosophy behind it or something yeah. rather than the quality, right? They're not saying, oh, this, this stock image is garbage. Like, why are you guys giving us an ugly image, right? They're saying you didn't use artists to make your thing. And what's making it worse is the week prior, Wizards was like, we're not using AI anymore. 
right? Yeah. Uh, because they were, they, you know, there, there was, uh, you know, an issue with that. So people felt they were betrayed by wizards, but like people always jump to the worst conclusions possible, right? Like, do you think wizards would say they're not using AI and then purposely say, I'm going to pull a fast one at everyone <laughs> like one week <laughs> later, or do you think some incompetence happened? Right, that maybe there were like eight people in this chain, and like something happened along the way. Like that's probably more likely what happened. Uh, yeah, I I will say this is a losing battle because you're like you, you're not gonna be able to tell what is AI and what is not AI. And Wizards now has the uh, very fun job of like carefully looking over literally everything. Uh, because controversy is not, this is not the first time controversy has happened, right? There's the copy and paste and forgery, like, controversy, right? The, the tracing that happens in the art world a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of funny because it's kind of a reason to do AI. But a lot of times people, like, trace backgrounds and then modify it in the process to make it not look so tracy because they can't be bothered to originally come up with the background because it's just the background. No one cares. Uh, so, like, this stuff happens, and then from time to time it pops up. Uh, I know the comic book world had this happen a lot. And then now every time you get a piece of art, you got to look at it very carefully to make sure like nothing bad is happening here before you pass Didn't it on to the public. just have that happen though in Magic? What's it the happens art of the all card the time. Again? It, it yeah, was. Like, there was a... Like like a, a, a couple months back. Yeah, and then and then Scryfall changed the artist credit to be both the original and the, the new one. Yeah. I, I, I remember that. but I remember that too. I don't remember the card name though. But yeah, that did it's happen tricky. recently. They, you got to know where your art comes from and you got to trace it all. It, not, not literally trace it, but like trace its history and like, no, like it came from this vendor. And then this is what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's exactly like counterfeits, right? We're just going to be like, actually, I got this from this stock site and this stock site said they were not using AI, but then they used AI on us. It's not our fault. Blame them. Like that's going to happen, right? Like. People, you go to stock sites and they're like, no AI was used. But then you're like, wait a minute, AI was used. That's their fault. Uh, so it's the counterfeit situation again. You got to very carefully be able to trace where the stock images come from and then point the finger there because how how else can you manage this? Especially when it becomes indistinguishable, right? Like when it becomes indistinguishable, how are you able going how are you going to look at it? Just like counterfeits. When you can't, when you can't look at them and tell, how can you, you know, defend yourself? And, and that, that's yeah. going to be a problem. Oh, when it becomes indistinguishable, does it even matter? <laughs> like, if, because the, isn't the, the same with a magic card? Like, if it's literally <laughs> indistinguishable, how would anyone know if it was a counterfeit or real? Like, why would I stress about if my card was real or not if it is indistinguishable from the real one? Because the value of your one of one ring went down because there's ten one of one rings and no one can tell which one is the different. But that, yeah, that's why they gotta have those security stuff. Yeah, you're right. Like that, that's what it comes down to. They gotta have a way to differentiate that. <laughs> you gotta have the AI art insert security into <laughs> itself. I, I mean, that that's possibly one. Like, it could be something like if people actually cared, the government could be like anything generated by AI needs to be self-identifying in some way. Uh, kind of like, oh, like what was yeah. it? Like they they insert so like. Uh, Honkai Star Rail beta client. Okay, you play the game, it looks normal to you, but if you take a screenshot of it, there's some security in it, and they can tell exactly which player made it. And I'm not saying like there's an ID wow. in there, it's like hidden in the background somehow, such that it's not perceivable to you, but they can figure it out. 
So like if you leak information, they know exactly which account leaked it and they can ban you or, or send the lawyers after you. But you can make it so that there's some kind of embedding into the, the AI generated image and it's like government enforced. Like if the government finds out you're doing it, they come and laying the smackdown on you because it's that important for humanity, right? And, and that would actually kind of solve it, right? But it has to be some like overarching, big pain in the butt like thing, just like we do for like say airlines or something, right? Government's like, oh, we can't have people dying in the air. We're gonna make sure everything is super safe. So we're gonna impose these like 8 million unreasonable things on you. So we could do something like that and make sure AI art is self-identifying. Yeah, I don't know if the government views it the AI art the same way as airplane crashes well, like, uh, necessarily. Us, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, at some point we may be like, whoa, 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 you know, it's getting a little crazy out here. Right now, AI is just like making meme cats, but one day it might get a little crazy, and then you can be sure there's like very strict Dude. philosophical you can't just extract someone's brain and throw it in the cloud guys like we gotta <laughs> put some regulation then, on this <laughs> but then it be become the the replicant war and then you get blade runner going and then it's like yeah. oh yeah i don't i don't want to be one of those dystopian futures i don't want to be warhammer or something you know i want to make sure human civilization thrives <laughs> going going back to the watsi thing i think they're one mistake like i don't really blame watsi for the art thing too much but i think the response was the first response of like oh no it isn't ended up looking really bad when they had to backtrack it like two days later so i think like i don't know uh, maybe their messaging was the biggest problem in all this like going back to like watsi's communication issues so i think that was like maybe the biggest misstep on watsi's part is just like not communicating all of this well like because i think richard's right they probably got this from someone who used like i don't think watsi directly used AI art in this i think they got it from someone who used it and like the person who posted it some intern maybe that didn't even look at it closely like the whole process uh like probably broke down but i think their communication is what really got them in hot water and really made people mad they'll learn yeah, now same right? like it was commissioned to a human or a company, and that human or company used AI in its process somewhere. And to what extent, nobody really knows. But it was like, I'm like, Krim, draw me something. Krim turns around, use some AI, gives it back to me. I'm like, no, no, it came from Krim. <laughs> right? I'm like, wait a minute, Krim, what did you do to me? <laughs> you set me up. <laughs> anyway, I think those are all of our all of our big topics for today. We got a couple minutes. Richard, do you have a fish mail for us? All right. Uh, let's see what fish mail shows up in the drama week. Uh, if you have <laughs> questions, send them to at MG Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Ooh, okay. This is, this, is, this is a fun one. Blue Team Turtle. What about Challenger decks for standard Pioneer Modern, but as a secret layer with blinged out foiling and print to order? It's like the one piece starter oh. deck. ST10. <laughs> so you make an event wow. deck. Like, you make an event deck. Like, I don't know. What's the last event deck we had that was like... Oh, geez. Pioneer, right? Like, like the Phoenix yeah. deck. And, I think the and Pioneer was from a few years ago. But you, you, no. you fill them with secret layer, movie poster cards so that they're unreadable, and like super blinged out chase versions. So basically, yeah, sort of like the... I mean, we've seen the secret layer commander decks a couple times now. So sort of like that, but for a Pioneer deck or a modern deck... That would be that would be interesting. The I bet it would be is, way more expensive than people would want it to be. <laughs> I mean, yes, it'll definitely be more expensive than they want it to be because, and they'll be like, we, you know, we don't acknowledge, you know, 
secondhand market stuff, yep. then it'll be a $300 like event deck, <laughs> right? Like, which is like maybe $100 less than what it costs to buy. <laughs> but like, I, I will, I will say that I think that that in theory sounds full, like, like sweet, but yeah, it's not going to be as cheap as you think it'll be on top of that in a, a competitive format. It is hard. <clears throat> it is very hard to print something like that into a competitive format because though though they're print to order so they won't you won't have any laying around it's like well how by the time the contracts the art's all done everything and all that is the deck even relevant anymore like when we had that pioneer deck drop with phoenix and all that phoenix was still like viable ish at that point but the, all the other decks were not viable so like but and like and those decks were probably in the works like like six to like maybe even like 10 months prior right maybe even a year yeah. prior so I think the problem here is like anything like that, it, 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 you can sell, you can do that kind of stuff, right? The cute to brutes, all those things. You could do that in Commander because in a casual format, people will buy it for just because it's art, because it's cute. It's, you know, all of that stuff. People who want to do the sweaty things, do pro players spend money on Magic? I, I'm very curious. <laughs> like, 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 like I, when I was sweaty, you know I was sweaty because I didn't buy any Magic cards. I borrowed all the Magic cards, right? I sourced it elsewhere. Ain't nobody buying these Magic cards, right? True. That, that is so true because Why? you gotta pay for hotel, flight, travel, yeah. and you're changing decks like constantly due to meta, so you can't yeah. really afford like literally every deck ever. Uh, so it's actually, yeah. <laughs> But Cedric Phillips is right. It is, it is not for this? the money. It's not about the money because because there is no money for it to be about, right? Like so. <laughs> oh, also we missed this. This question reminds me that they also announced this week that uh, they're no longer printing secret layer drops to uh, to order. They're going to be a set number. And once they're gone, they're gone. So that was the Ooh. other. Yeah. So they're trying to estimate so everyone can still get one or whatever. But this is not going to go well. It's going to. Yeah. I think we're going to see more like scalpers and that kind of stuff uh, moving. Remember the, the, the now 30, that a... 30 years of magic bundle, the, yep. the advent calendar one and how yep. that sold out in 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Crashing it's websites, be... selling out instantly. I think we're it sounds like we're going back to those days for secret layers, unfortunately. I, I it, it's fine if it's just a luxury thing but if it ever starts becoming like a this is a set exclusive like a yes. a new card that's when it becomes a problem yeah that's that's what i get nervous <clears throat> about too so hopefully hopefully we don't run into that but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how 2024 shakes out but i think that brings us to the end of our cast for today richard how do people send in fish mail for next week perhaps all right, hit us up at mtg goldfish with the hashtag mtg fish mail and we'll get to your questions on air and that brings us to the end of episode 466 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Graham, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes out of the world of magic. So, until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.